0: This is the Rebellious Wellness Over 50 podcast for women over 50 who aren't done yet. You may have seen the worst of aging and are hoping there's a better way. There is, and I'm going to show you how. In interviews, book reviews, rants, and stories, each week, I'm going to bring you the latest science-based info on how to age better. I'm Gregory Ann Cox, and I believe it's time to bust the myth that aging equals decline in every area of life. It pisses me off, and it's BS. Look, aging happens, but it doesn't have to ruin your life. You just need to get a little rebellious in your approach. Welcome back everybody to another issue of Rebellious Wellness Over 50. I'm very excited this week because I'm interviewing an expert in hormones, hormone balance, and general wellness. Her name is Claire Snowden-Darling. Claire, welcome, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I love it. So, let me just tell the listeners a little bit about you. You have a wellness center in the UK called Balanced Wellness, which you founded in was it 2008? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 2008. Good for you the longevity. You know, a lot of businesses don't last that long. But you've been doing alternative health practicing for since like 90s, early 90s? Yeah. 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 And wh- how did you get started?
1: Oh, as a teenager, I was really into things like crystals. And I actually did one of the first Reiki courses in the UK. Oh, wow. And then, you know, the, back then, there was no real complementary health career path. It was beauty or osteopathy. I think that was kind of, you know, it. And so I went down a normal career path. Well, it was theatre. It wasn't that normal. Theatre and then <laughs> disability. And it was, yeah, r- around about 2004, after I got really ill having my daughter, that, that the holistic world... Found me again. And suddenly, all this training that I'd done in my late teens, because I actually did do a few diplomas, I was like, oh, this all makes sense now. I love how that
0: came together. Well, we'll talk about your story in just a second. I wanted to let the listeners know what's different about your practice. No crystals, I suspect, in your healing practice. (laughs)
1: No, there's a few dotted around the place to make it look pretty and balance the energy, (laughs) but no, no. Yeah,
0: nothing wrong with crystals, just that I think you've moved in a different direction. Because you really work with people that have difficult things to resolve in the body. And there could be many reasons, right? It could start in the gut. Does everything start in the gut? We'll get to that too. But you have lots of great testimonials for people that said you saved their life, you changed their life. So I'm curious to know as we go through how you do that, you know? So let's start with your story. You said you got back into this world of alternative health when you had your daughter. What happened? Mm,
1: So in 2004, I nearly died giving birth to my daughter. And well, we both nearly died. And I came out of that. I remember waking up in recovery so tired. And that tiredness never lifted. It, It led to a terrible postpartum psychosis, postpartum depression. Uh, I mean, awful, just a few years. I don't even really remember. But the overwhelming thing was as bad as the depression was. was Nothing was as bad as the fatigue that I felt. And so I I had chronic fatigue, I now know, Mm. brought on because of this huge trauma when I was giving birth to her. And back then, and even now, there was very little known about it or talked about it. And (sighs) the complementary world has exploded in the last decade. But, you know, back then, 17 years ago, it was still, you know, trying to sift around and try and find anything. And I basically, uh, the the medical model had nothing for me. Nothing was showing up on blood tests. I was Mm. fine apart from the depression. And once the depression abated, I started trying to feel better about myself by, you know, just, I'd never engaged with a personal trainer before. So a bit of exercise. Trying to work out my diet, trying to, you know, do things like that. And then I was at uh, I got really into nutrition, but wasn't studying it. I actually uh, you've got Lara bars in the US. We do have Lara bars. Yeah, you have Lara bars. And for a while they were sold in the UK and they actually ended up being sold to a different brand over here. But I was one of the first distributors of Lara bars. Oh. Uh, popping up these Lara bars, and someone said they're doing kinesiology tasters upstairs. And every single hair on my body stood up on end. And I said, I I need to go on a break. And I walked upstairs and the women said, would you like a taster session? I went, no, I want to sign up to the course. And I had no idea what it was. And everyone was saying to me, I think it was like six months later, what is this course? I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) I just don't know. And I turned up on weekend one and I just realized it's what I was put on the earth to do. Mm. And it was as clear as that. And it was... I was sold from the first moment of the first day and it's actually not a particularly, it's not a relaxing treatment. It's actually quite barbaric at times, you know, it stems out of chiropractic. So there's quite a lot of, of quite fierce work that we do. I absolutely loved it. It made sense to me. Mm. And through that journey, So back to my health journey, I did everything right. I, you know, we study in kinesiology, we study nutrition, we study the emotions, we do structural work, we work with electrical systems. I did everything right. I was having the counseling for the trauma. I was doing everything. I just threw everything at it and I still wasn't getting better. Mm. I I was, but the fatigue was unreal, absolutely unreal. And I was seeing specialist after specialist and nobody could get me fixed. I was taking every single supplement I could, you know, that was testing for me. I I was doing everything. And it was actually only, I think I was 38, when I suddenly got taken seriously by the GP because of massive weight gain. And then it was three weeks before my 40th birthday that I got diagnosed with early menopause. And as far as the doctors were concerned, that's it. You know, all of the mystery is solved. And I'm like, well, how? Why did this happen? Is it because of the birth trauma? And there were no answers. And my inability to really heal myself using all of the methods that I had learned. I mean, in the end, I think I ended up training in 16 different modalities. I think that's about 16 modalities. I tried everything and it led me down a rabbit hole of research which basically led to the formation of a clinic model that when I say we, I talk about me and my business partner that we have created called the Triangle of Hormonal Health. And it was this realization that while something fundamentally had gone wrong with my hormones because of a massive stress, that actually there were, that there had a knock-on effect with my, with my female hormones, actually there were massive issues in the way that I was approaching diet because I was doing it the way that I thought I had to. I was trying raw food, vegan, let's do a juice fast. Let's do all these things, massive issues in the way I was approaching diet and it was inconsistent and it wasn't actually supporting my body. And yeah, it led to the formation of the triangle and the triangle has now taken on a life of its own and become a practitioner training course. So we teach kinesiology, but we also teach people who just want to be a wellness coach how to use this methodology. And yeah, it's it's incredible.
0: That is an incredible story. And you know, I, I would say, you know, commendable that you stuck to it, but I know when we feel bad, it's a driver, right? There's no yeah. end to, no. or at least I should say for me, and it sounds like for you, I don't know how people I understand how people give up because it's frustrating, especially if all you have is the Western medical model. Because once they don't have an answer, as you pointed out for yourself, they're like, sorry, go home, see a shrink is often what happens. I know to women in, you know, at the menopause perimenopause stage. Oh, you're not feeling like yourself. Here's ambient uh, sleep with ambient, you know, just not great. I was just writing um, a little bit of copy for one of my products And I was writing about hormones and how important hormones are in a funny kind of way. And I thought, maybe I'm
1: overemphasizing the role of hormones in the body.
0: (laughs) Can you help me out? I
1: wish. (laughs) No, you're not. And this is the bit that actually saddens me is, you know, I was what, 28 when I went through my trauma. If I'd have seen me as a practitioner that I am now when I was 28, I I honestly don't believe I would have gone into the early menopause because I would have Mm. been able to, you know, sort all the things out. I mean, ultimately, hormones are behind everything. And this is what, what I, I think some people get really surprised about is, you know, we talk about hormones and we tend to think of estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. Mm-hmm. We don't think about the myriad of different blood sugar hormones that, that even are down to, you know, one of them is responsible for whether or not we feel anxious. Another one is responsible for motility through the gut. So- wow. Yeah, uh, we don't think about the hormones that do everything inside our body. And one of the big wow moments for me a few years ago was this realization that every single time we put food into our mouth, we either have a hormone response that takes us to wellness or we have a hormone response that takes us further into feeling rubbish. Every time something goes in our mouth, I never equated that this. Yeah had a hormone response. So, you know, you're not underplaying it at all. I think we need to become so much more aware of how hormones are everything in the body.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about, we're not going to list all of the hormones, but I know that the listeners are probably curious about when we eat, there's a hormonal cascade. If we think, if we're having stress, there are all these hormones that go on in the body. How do we determine whether we have a hormone issue or we have something else going on in the body?
1: I would pretty much say it's, uh, my experience is it's mostly a hormone issue, unless you've had an injury or you have something like a congenital heart defect where there is an actual structural issue. So one of the ways that we work, I learned it in kinesiology, but we now bring it into our wellness coaching, is we look at what we call the bees, B-E-E-S, the bees. So every condition or every symptom can be connected to a biochemical issue. So either there's something we're not putting in our mouth that our body wants, and that could be food or nutritional supplementation. We're putting something into our mouth that our body doesn't like in terms of food intolerance, or there's also the other biochemical issues that that we have to be so aware of today, the pollution, the pesticides, the toxins in our toiletries and cosmetics. All of these things Which by the way, those toxins that go in our cosmetics are called endocrine disruptors and our hormones are made by our endocrine system, right? So we have to be incredibly aware of the biochemistry of our body and how easily manipulated it is by external influences. So then we also look at the emotions. Well, our emotions are run by hormones. So there's a biochemical, you know, issue behind our hormones. Then we look at the the other E is the electrical system of the body. So we talk about the acupuncture meridians, or in kinesiology terms, the connection between the organs, the muscles, and the nerves. So there's this this beautiful conversation that happens. And then we look at structure. Now, structure is really easy to just think, well, it's structure. But if we're stressed, we actually have a hormone response that will, for example, shorten and tighten one leg, which is why a lot of us have pelvic instability. Mm. And that pelvic instability puts pressure on a structure in the bowel called the ileocecal valve which is where we end up with things like irritable bowel syndrome or constipation or diarrhea so it is all hormones and you know they link in across the board biochemically emotionally electrically structurally.
0: Wow (laughs) (laughs) so you just you made me feel good because you proved one of my theories which is everything is food So I say, whether you think, whether you put it in your mouth, it creates a hormonal cascade in the body. So 100% we would do well to be very more mindful, more mindful of what we think and what we eat. But it's not just how do you know what kind of nutrition do you guys do testing to determine what kind of nutrition somebody needs?
1: So we work in two different ways. Yes, we do do food sensitivity testing. We use muscle response. So, yes, you know, when you've talked uh, before about kinesiology a lot of therapies use muscle response testing, including chiropractors. So we do do food sensitivity testing in that way. And it's a very quick snapshot. But like I said, I don't just train kinesiologists. We work with what we call the hierarchy of food intolerance. And there are things called gateway allergens. So like when people say to me, oh, I'm allergic to kiwis, I think that's what's causing my issue. And I go, well, how often are you eating kiwis? And say about once a month. I said, that is not what's causing your symptom. My favorite phrase is, you know, what are you eating every day? What are you doing every day? That's what's causing your symptoms. So the big gateway allergens are wheat, not even all other grains, but wheat because of how we hybrid the grain, the amount of gluten that's now in it, and the fact that we spray it with glyphosate, which destroys our gut microbiome and causes all sorts of inflammation. Milk, again, because it's so overprocessed, and refined sugar. So, you know, we know these things aren't great for us. But when we actually take those out of our diet, what happens is a whole stack of things that we might have thought we were intolerant to, so the kiwi or you know something random, all of a sudden we're not intolerant to that because our immune system can cope because it's not having this daily onslaught. So I call those gateway allergens, I call them arsenic. So when people, so I say to people, well, they say, well, can I ever eat wheat? And I go, sure, you can choose to do whatever you like. But how often do you want to have arsenic in your diet and feel okay? So, oh, oh, oh I'm eating organic wheat. I okay, go, okay, so that's just the arsenic, but without the extra pesticide. Either way, excess gluten or pesticide, it's not good for us. Mm-hmm. Or oh, I'm eating sourdough. Okay, that's okay. That's fermented arsenic. Either way, <laughs> we have a myriad of other grains that have become so overlooked in the last 30 years. So unless people are celiacs, I always know it's a sign of real health momentum when they can't tolerate any grains and then they start to be able to tolerate other grains. You start to see the resilience coming back in their immune system. Mm. But if they eliminate those and they're still experiencing symptoms, we look next to the nightshade family. So potatoes, peppers, aubergine, the other one, I always forget it. Potatoes, peppers, aubergine. Tomatoes? Tomatoes, yeah. It's the what's in your diet every day and they can be in your diet every day. And then we also look at eggs because a lot of people can't tolerate egg, egg white. They can cause a big inflammatory response. It doesn't have to be that you're intolerant to all of those. And I certainly don't recommend that people give up all of those in one go. Start with the wheat. If that doesn't change anything, move to milk bit by bit. Just take a small step every single day and see how you feel.
0: And how long would you say, there are different... Schools of thought around elimination diets for testing. Some people say seven days, 14, 21, six weeks. I, how long do you decide it takes?
1: So I think you're going to notice a difference between a week to, a week to two weeks. And if you're not, then, that, then I would say stay off, particularly the big gateway allergens of wheat, milk, and sugar. You keep those out. But then what am I eating every day? Is it one of the nightshades? Could it be egg whites? What is it? Okay, let's start by eliminating one of those. Mm-hmm. And honestly, you know, if people are intolerant to potatoes, Potato. I hadn't eaten potatoes for years, you know, like years. And then I think because I put on a lot of weight perimenopausally and then just sort of restricted carbs a bit and then just started to get a little bit, uh, I increased cycling over our lockdowns over here. Yeah, me I was, too. Oh, I'm going to eat a little bit of potato. And I was, it was great. I suddenly discovered that all I was doing was clearing my throat, like <clears> throat> constantly. Mm. <clears> throat> and I was like, what is going on? This is driving me bonkers. And I suddenly went, I'm eating potato three times a week. Gave up the potato. Throat clearing went away. And you think how many people are on, think that they've got an allergy, or you know, they're on things like antihistamines, or then they end up on things like a meprazole because they're going to the doctors. And actually it might be a food intolerance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I look to food pretty commonly. It's just hard to get people to, myself included. I had a food sensitivity test done about a month ago because I have develop some kind of upper respiratory allergy like, but no, my eyes don't run. I don't have to blow my nose. There's just this congestion. So I wanted it to be like something in red. I wanted it to come back and go, stop doing this. But there were just little bits of this and that, you know, in that middle range. So I thought, am I really going to never eat a piece of chicken again? No, I'm just going to, maybe I was eating more chicken than my body likes. I'll have it less often, you know? So, but I find it's hard to get people to Takes this is
1: the issue in any kind of midlife, you know, thing. So any kind of menopause, post-menopause, you know, our histamine goes up, our tolerance. So it- to think, yeah. Our histamine There's a big connection between estrogen and histamine and our mm. histamine response increases, which is why a lot of peri-post-menopausal women suddenly say, I just can't drink the Prosecco anymore. I just can't mm. drink. I can't eat this. And you go, no, it's because of your. It's the, your histamine is just elevated. And we just we become a bit intolerant to the world. (laughs) I would have to say that I've seen that in people
0: at times, Mm. uh, Mm. especially in a crowded room when people don't want to wear their masks. But I want to go back to... So the sex hormones are really important. And as they decline, less the testosterone, but uh, certainly the estrogen and progesterone. For women, I know estrogen is protective brain, cardio. And so do you recommend hormone restoration or, or I guess it wouldn't be restoration, restoring to the levels of mm-hmm. premenopause, but do you believe in adding some natural hormones back to the body?
1: Yeah, I really do. And I, I think maybe I'm a bit jaded because I see women who are you know, like me going through something awful. They're not women who go, oh, I'm having a few, few hot flushes and black cohosh is, has helped me enormously. I'm seeing the women who are just, you know, on, on the floor broken. And I don't see many women who can actually get through menopause really naturally any, anymore. But you know, that, that is what my clinic's full of. I, I have a few clients who say, oh, I sailed through. And I'm like, I'm, I'm so I happy know. I've for met it. Those people And I'm thinking, gosh, that would have been a joy. I know my sister who's. 14 years older than me and smokes like a chimney and drinks like a fish. And she's literally occasionally gone, it's a bit warm. That's it. That's all she's had in her menopause. I'm like, you're kidding me. I've had every single symptom. Oh my but yeah, I really, really do. And particularly the reason why women are often having more challenging menopauses is, is because we're going into menopause stressed. So what mm. people don't often know is that It's not just our ovaries that make progesterone and estrogen. They're also made by our adrenal glands. And our adrenal glands, of course, predominantly known for the stress hormone response. But if the adrenal glands are really overworked or have been through something like repeated stress on a day in, day out basis, suddenly going into perimenopause, when they're supposed to be doing the job of making more of our sex hormones, they, they can't do it so women aren't having any kind of smooth transition whatsoever and so it becomes very very clunky absolutely i really recommend i think the 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 bit that i would say is my experience is that most of us are estrogen dominant going mm-hmm. into menopause because of our environment because of food you know if you if you've struggled with weight or any kind of you know headaches ibs pcos endometriosis any of those kind of things you're probably quite estrogen dominant going into perimenopause. I have such an issue that the medical response is straight away give women high levels of estrogen and fake progesterone. Actually, we don't need the estrogen then. That's going to compound things, make it worse. What we need then is the progesterone. Mm -hmm. So I actually quite, you know, I'm a big advocate for, for the progesterone at the beginning part of the menopause and the perimenopause, as, you know, things are showing in your blood test getting that progesterone in, that natural progesterone. And then when you're starting to get the low estrogen symptoms, it all gets a bit dry downstairs, um, really horm- you know, hormonally wanting to cry. That's when we start putting in the estrogen. Because mm-hmm. you're right, we absolutely need that for bone health, car- cardio health, brain health. But it's a little bit later on to begin with in that peri, peri- to mid menopause. Our livers are struggling to process it out.
0: Mm. I think progesterone is not a hormone that we think of after childbearing years, right? But then when you're saying bring it back, just to let the listeners know, for me, progesterone was the first time I got prescribed. It was early, it was perimenopause. It wasn't just that. And for sleeping. Yes. Because I just couldn't sleep. And it did the trick, I'll tell you. It really did help just calm me. I don't know what it was. I never thought of myself as not a calm person, but for some reason, it took off that mental, you know, that that running.
1: That's exactly. It's, it's the calming hormone. So you're right. We think of it to do with pregnancy, but there's now a huge amount of research that shows it's responsible for so much more. In fact, there's some really new research that shows that it's, it's as if not more important for bone density than estrogen, which is absolutely astounding. We've really only thought of it as for, you know this one thing but, I mean, I have a lot of clients who've had hysterectomies and are battling their GPs to be able to be given progesterone because there can be such a, an entrenched belief that women, well, you don't need it, you haven't got a womb, whereas not looking at what progesterone does, which is to, you know, absolutely to stop us going crazy. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There would
0: be a lot less crazy in the world right now if more yeah. people had access to these. So what would you say to, well, two things. Let me go back to the sex hormones, testosterone. How do you feel about supplemental testosterone for women?
1: Well, I mean, I wouldn't get out of bed without it, so I, okay. I'm a big well fan then. of it. <laughs> but I think part of the issue, again, with the medical model is they might go, oh, your testosterone's low. Let's give you testosterone. What they don't really take into consideration, again, is how testosterone is made in the body and that, that actually uh, an imbalance in testosterone is usually because of adrenal fatigue. And so just giving people testosterone on its own, this is where women come into my clinic absolutely wired and jittery. I've been given testosterone. I've been given testosterone. That was the symptom, not the cause. So what we have to do is your body knows how to make the testosterone. We just need to fix the mechanism. Hmm. So with that adrenal fatigue, you know, we women are very good at at overworking, right? Like Hmm. let's juggle everything. And there comes a point in particularly that peri- menopause phase where we have to get real and say, I'm, I can't cope with all of this. Mm-hmm.
0: So let's say a woman who's never, she's now through menopause, she struggled through, she did whatever, no supplemental hormones whatsoever. And at 65 or 70, she learns that these things could actually be protective of my heart and my brain and the things that I worry about. Would you be, start somebody on supplemental natural hormone therapy at that point?
1: I mean, I don't tend to see people like that because if they've got no symptoms, they don't tend to be sort of um, seeking me out. But I do know that some of the doctors that I work with who are very pro bioidentical hormones absolutely would because of the protective nature of them.
0: And sometimes women I hear I, I was having a conversation with somebody who said she started to get brain fog. Not COVID related, just you know, she felt like she couldn't really focus as well. Her sleep was a little off, and her doctor, luckily, a functional medicine doc said, let's try you with the lowest dose of this. And within about a week and a half, she said she was feeling different.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I personally don't plan on stopping taking the bioidentical hormones, whereas if it was a medical model HRT, you you would wanna be stopping because of all the dangers associated with them, where Whereas, obviously, with the bioidentical hormones, you don't don't have that danger because not only are they done specifically to your blood work, they are made from natural ingredients. Fantastic.
0: Yeah, just to tie back to that earlier time when there was a lot of research being done, I guess um, Mm -hmm. I forget whether it was the Women's Health Initiative study, whatever the name of it was, where they started testing hormone replacement, but they were pharmaceutical, chemically made in a lab, And then they stopped it because there was too many heart attacks, stroke. I forget what the heck it was. But what lingered out of that was that hormone replacement is not safe. Yeah. Women, and you just made the point, which I want to make sure the listeners hear, if they're living with that story from days gone by that hormones are not safe, the difference was made in a lab to some chemical formulation versus made to look exactly like the hormones we have in our body.
1: Exactly. And I really want to pick up on that, because one of the pieces of education I spend a lot of time doing is a client will come to me and say, "Oh, I've got the, the marina coil. I don't know if it's called the marina coil over in the States, but it's the hormone coil." They say, oh, "That's my HRT. I've got the marina coil and I've got some estrogen gel." And, and I'm told that you know it's progesterone. it's a progesterone coil I'm like, it's not progesterone. It's a synthetic that they have made, and it's called progestin. And okay, so synthetics, we sort of automatically know aren't great. But the reason why progestin is actually dangerous for women, like dangerous. Because if you look at the chemical composition of progestin, it looks nothing like progesterone. It actually looks closer to testosterone. Mm. The reason that's important is estrogen is a get up and go hormone. Testosterone is a get up and go hormone. Progesterone is our calming hormone. So this is why progesterone is, you know, the holy grail for sleep and brain fog and, and mood and no anxiety. So if suddenly we're giving women a synthetic that actually mimics testosterone, now I've got I haven't got any progesterone because you know I'm perimenopausal. And now I've got this extra hormone going in that again just makes women wired, tired, anxious it is nothing even vaguely like the hormone that it's even trying to, to create. So I, I just genuinely don't even understand that science. so interesting.
0: You talked about the nether regions getting dry. Does a transdermal estrogen or a patch or something take care of that? Or do we need to get the ring? Are there safe rings? Because I know in this country, they have estrogen rings to help with dryness, vaginal dryness.
1: Estrogen, I think, is a really interesting one. So I... I in the bioidentical hormones, you can get, if you see a, a specialist doctor, of which I am not, I'm, so I'm a practitioner, I can work with transdermal, low dose transdermal bioidenticals for high dose, I work with a specialist uh, doctor who can get those bespoke things done. Now, there are three different types of estrogen that happen throughout a woman's life. And there's a very active form, which is called estradiol. And then there's a, a much more chilled out version that happens during pregnancy called estriol. Post-menopause, we have estrone. Well, that's clearly no good to man or beast. So no one supplements with that because <laughs> that's not going to bring back anything. <laughs> so what the medical model do is they use estradiol, but it is it's really quite strong and active that's the word really active estriol is much much calmer it's a much calmer so what you tend to find is that with bioidenticals that that if you see one of the the doctors they'll do a combination of estradiol and estriol so enough to keep and again uh, with the natural substances so enough to keep you calm but enough to give you energy if you're seeing a doctor and you you know got the rings or you've got the pessaries they tend to just be the estradiol now, some women that is absolutely brilliant for. Uh, my experience is, is that some people, the transdermal or even the lozenges, it just doesn't quite cut the mustard. They do need to get the pessary. And I haven't known of someone have a, bio, a bioidentical pessary. Have you got them over there?
0: I don't think so. No. no.
1: I, think I think so. they're over worry about having
0: that in the body and somebody taking estrogen or a transdermal even now. You've got two sources. Of estrogen, and of course that be absorbed. It, it,
1: the ring will, you know, push estrogen out into the system. Yeah, but my exp- yes, of course. But my experience is, is that they need the estradiol, and bioidentically we tend to use estriol transdermally. And so they, if if they're having the the sort of vaginal dryness issues, they they are going to need that more active form of the of the hormone. Mm-hmm. I want to go it's back tricky to the,
0: isn't it it's <sighs> so tricky. it's tricky and there are not i can't name the numbers but there are not a lot of conversations for women to have that like you and i are having for women oh, to have with a professional with somebody who can help them i went through i don't even know how many endocrinologists before i found well i moved so the doctor i had there i found somebody else here is a functional medicine doc but even doctors who there was a doc in, uh, I used to live in New York, that was in Manhattan, and he had this great website, and it was all about bioidentical hormones and this and that. It was quite expensive, because it's usually out of pocket. Mm -hmm. And I went, and I got tests, and it's like, oh, you're going to, it was for my thyroid. And he did, you know, oh, and we reversed T3, and he explained all these things, and I'm a science junkie, so I knew all of the things that he was referring to. And... He gave me one prescription that wasn't right, and I said, we need to adjust this, and that was it. He was like, well, I'm sorry, come back in and spend another $300, we'll talk about it, I thought. It was just so frustrating to, like you going to doctor, 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 finally finding somebody who was, uh, would listen, A, and respected the fact that I am a researcher and I'm gonna be my own patient advocate as long as I can. So I would come in and say, here's what I'm experiencing, here's what I've read, where's the, what do you think, you know? But, and, and that's why I wanna have more conversations like these on a podcast so that women can Absolutely. find out know what to ask a doctor. Maybe more doctors will want to get into the field of treating women
1: naturally with hormones. That's been my, over, the overwhelming response actually is, I mean, I really, you know, I tra- trained to deal, I, I trained basically in my training. It was a bit like being a GP. You can, you can deal with anything that comes in. I remember I was um, actually on a retreat and on a conference in Miami in 2000 and. 18, where I just went, I'm going to have to specialize in menopause. I was, sur- I was in a room surrounded by menopausal women. I was just listening to their issues. And I just went, no one knows this stuff that I've now known because of my journey. Nobody knows. I'm going to have to be out there talking about it. And that's my overwhelming experience is that people come into clinic or I do podcasts or you know, talks. And people just so often burst into tears and go, I just thought I was going crazy. I thought I yes. was going crazy. Yeah. No, and I, I think
0: it. what adds to the crazy is the dismissiveness rather than a doctor saying, I don't know. I wish I could refer somebody, but I can't. And then the woman or even a guy who needs some kind of help yes. them, would then say, OK, that's not my person. Let me keep looking. But to, to dismiss the actual things we're feeling is crazy making in itself.
1: Well, this is my big mission because I have, I get quite angry and rebellious about and revolutionary about the fact that there is so much obfuscation in the medical model around particularly women's health issues. And you're right. If we were told, look, this is all we've got. You're going to have to figure it out yourself. Or there are other people and we can't make actual recommendations, but maybe pursue this field, this field, this field if we would just had some basic bit of information. I mean, I remember when my sleep was so, so bad. And I, at the time, they'd put me on amitriptyline for the sleep because nothing else was working. And when I got, when I used to cry down the phone, they might give me, like before a big talk, they might give me some Valium so that I would sleep. And I just said, you know, you've got to sort this out. I've got to be able to sleep. And, you know, I know that if you increase my progesterone, because the doctors do have a natural a body identical progesterone, but they don't like giving it out and not in the right doses. Uh, In the US, it's called Prometrium. They do have it, but you've got to sort this out. And the doctor just looked at me and said, well, give up work. You're You're kidding kidding. me. I'm a single self-employed woman. I'm not giving up work. I'm speaking at a conference to 400 women next week. I'm not giving up work. This is crazy.
0: Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy making, yeah, and I'm just a, yeah. a tad bit sexist, but we don't have time for that conversation. <laughs> just, just a bit. You know, it's also surprising to me that I have not met more women docs practitioners working with women in their on their hormones. I mean, the, if I were to run through the list of my in my mind of the big functional medicine docs that are online with you know great websites and lots of books, a couple of women who I've interviewed and, and they've been wonderful. Just it seems harder for women. Again, to either break into the medical field, want to put up with the nonsense in the medical field from the male sexist kind of
1: way that it must be. I don't know. But it would be nice to have a few more women. I agree. I absolutely agree. Because the, the ones that I say and the ones that I do find so knowledgeable, so fantastic, so passionate. And yeah, it's coming. I'm hoping it's coming, yeah, you know. I, think,
0: so. I
1: think Yeah. So. I think you're right. Well.
0: I'm keeping an eye on the clock only because I want to respect your time and the listeners. But let me ask: Do you do any virtual consults with people, or is that really not a thing because you're in? Different yeah,
1: areas? yeah. No, I, I work remotely. I work remotely with with, um, with Zoom, and I do the functional hair testing. I do people just send me their hair from all over the world.
0: And your website is tellthepeoplebalancedwellness.co.uk.
1: Yes, that's that. Yes, everything's on there. Uh, and if you're interested in the methods and actually learning the methods, then the college is functional-wellness.co.uk.
0: Okay. And I'll put that on
1: the page with the website. But what's great about my name is that there's only me and my daughter in the whole world with my name. So the great thing is, is that if you Google me, I've got my own website, clairesnowdendarling.com. And so everything's on there. So it's. Oh, okay. Really That's fun.
0: perfect. So one yeah. place to go to Claire's
1: wife and darling. Okay. We'll also put that on the page for the podcast. Thank you so much.
0: Yes. You're welcome. What would you say to frustrated women? Do they start with information and then take that to their doctor? How do people. Start this journey if they've been yes. before. Yes.
1: And it shouldn't be this way, but it is this way. Get educated, learn about the difference between progesterone and progestin. Go in there and make your demands. Actually, it's, it's even easier in the States than it is here to make demands because you pay for your health care. Make the demands. I'm always saying to women if you can get on the Prometrium and even if you can't afford the bioidentical hormones, an estrogen pump because then you can. Gauge the 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 dose yourself, or wait and only have it when you feel that you really need it. And you know, there's so many ways to find out. Is that an estrogen dominance symptom? So I'm always saying, if you're getting the headaches, breast tenderness, weight gain, that's estrogen dominance. You know, mm-hmm. hold off on your estrogen for a bit. But go in there, get educated, and go in and make your demands, and then learn. So there's a lot of free stuff on all my websites, but we talk a lot about the, our triangle of hormonal health. And diet is key at this particular phase in life. It's key always, but really, really key. And balancing our blood sugars is just the most incredible thing we can do. It contributes to sleep. It stops, you know, it helps our body to make progesterone. It massively helps. And people are so confused. There's so many health myths out there. And so actually learning, we need to eat, you know, good quality proteins at every meal. We need the right amount of fats because so many women are scared. And we do need carbs, but in the right quantities. When we find out that and we can actually make those changes every day, then we start to feel a bit more empowered, I think.
0: I love that. That's a great message and an empowering message too. And I want to let the listeners know if they have not ever been to my website. At the top of the call, we talked about the hormone disruptors. And right now on my website, rebelliouswellnessover50.com, I have an ebook that talks all about the hidden saboteurs, I call them, for uh, trying to lose weight. And all of the hormone disruptors are listed there and why it happens and how to avoid them where you find them. So you can make different choices. So Claire, thank you so much for being with us. This was an excellent, excellent,
1: informative call. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute joy. Terrific.
0: And again, listeners, thanks so much for being with us. We will be back next week with another episode. Be well till then. That's the end of another episode of the Rebellious Wellness Over 50 podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. If there's anything that you heard or hear when you tune in that you think would benefit a friend, a sister, a mother, hey, even some guys, send them my way, would you? And if you've not ever been to the website, rebelliouswellnessover50.com, head on over there. There are resources, things that I don't always get to on the podcast that might help you age better. Be well till next time and stay that way.